Please remain standing if you're able. And for our scripture reading this morning, we're going to turn to the first chapter of the book of Ephesians. And you might feel like we're going backwards because we were in chapter 5 before um, the, the, this whole COVID situation. And eventually we're going to make our way back to chapter 5. But this morning we're going to go back to chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 3 through 12 of chapter 1. So this is the word of our Lord, Ephesians 1, starting in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace, which He... He made to abound to us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth. In Him, in Him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. This is the word of our Lord. May He bless it to our hearts. Let us pray together. Father, we pray that You'd speak to our hearts even as we consider Your word. We pray, Father, that You would renew our minds, that we might follow You faithfully. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Have you noticed how communication everywhere is breaking down? Have you noticed how we are, as far as communication goes, we are living in an age of the absurd? That everything offends somebody somewhere at some point? No matter what you say, it's almost impossible to actually not offend somebody as, as you speak. I wonder what the legacy of our time will be. I wonder what the, the history books would say in 50 or 100 years when they look back to what's going on today and start commenting on how people are conducting themselves towards each other as far as communication and language goes. I have a feeling that the current rhetoric is not going to be seen in history as a good thing. I don't think uh, history is going to remember this time as one in which the human race excelled in their ability to communicate with one another, to either send communication or receive communication from each other. Now, one thing, however, that our age, this age of absurdity, has made clear to us, and has actually confirmed, because the Scriptures taught that before, is that words are incredibly powerful. Do you realize that? The how powerful words are, what we say? Think about God Himself. And think about the way that He chose to reveal His Son to us. 
in the Gospel of John, the very first title that is given to the Son is the Word. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And sometimes we don't realize that, but language is not a human invention. God talked to himself prior to creation. So language is a characteristic of God himself that he shares with us. Language also predates the fall. Adam and Eve talked to one another. God talked to Adam and Eve. So communication, language is something that's been around forever and is a need that we have. We are communicating people. We're communing people. And speaking to one another is of utmost importance. But we also know that communication, language, has been marred by sin. As a matter of fact, the very way that Satan tempted Eve was through the misuse of language, wasn't it? Remember what the temptation is in Genesis chapter 3? Did God really say, No, you're not going to die. God said you're going to die, but you're not. He didn't mean that. And Satan himself uses miscommunication to bring sin into this world. When uh, married couples come to me for uh, counseling, the primary presentation problem, the thing that they say they have a problem with, is almost 100% of the time, communication. As you start working with them, sometimes it becomes clear that they have no problem communicating what they want. But that's really what they come from. That's true also parents that come to me for counseling about their relationship with their children. And that's 100% true of my own life and ministry, where communication is a big issue. And the season, season that we are going through in our society is marked by the misuse of words. Words don't mean what they used to mean. Uh, uh, the little scene on um, that the Princess Bride, where, what's his name, Montoya, says, I don't think that word means what you think it means, or something like that. Uh, that's the age we live in. Communication has broken down everywhere, and I think that's even true of the church of Jesus Christ. So our words and the way we use them are very serious business for every institution in society and for every human relationship. So it's worth for us to spend some time looking at this idea of God's sovereignty over our communication. Because this is what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 8, 21, Proverbs 18, 21. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And as we begin today, it's important for us to understand that communication problems are not primarily tongue problems. Communication problems are not primarily the way that the words come out of our mouths. That's not the primary focus of communication problems. As the Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew chapter 12, that it is out of the heart that the man speaks. It is out of the heart that the issues of life come. That's why in Proverbs 4.23, Solomon tells us that we have to guard our hearts, for out of it spring all the issues of life. So communication issues are actually not word issues, but heart issues. It is primarily an issue that flows from what desires rule our hearts. Who is the ruler of your heart? The clearest way of knowing that is by looking how we communicate with those around us. That's the best indication in some ways of who the ruler, who the king of our hearts 
So, a life of godly communication is rooted in a personal recognition of the sovereignty of God. Every doctrine, including the deepest doctrines, and the doctrine that God is sovereign over all things is one of the most uh, wonderful doctrines of the Scriptures, but every doctrine applies to daily life, and the sovereignty of God applies to the way that we talk to one another. And only when we submit to the rule of God through faith in Jesus Christ, who has a perfect plan and is in complete control, will we begin to live and speak as He has purposed for us to do so. And really, only at this level, when Christ is ruling over our hearts, idolatrous words will be removed from our mouths. Because still, Christ is king of our hearts. We are going to continue to be idolaters. And that's going to be manifest in the way that we talk. It is here alone, in the sovereignty of God through Christ Jesus over our hearts, that we freed from being the tools of our agenda. How often we use our words to control people around us, to control our agenda, to establish, to do what we want to do. How often we use our words to attempt to control people around us, or to seek glory for ourselves. Only when Christ is ruling over our hearts, and we are worshiping Him and Him alone, we are going to get over those things. Because when our hearts are more controlled by desires for the creation, for things of this level, for power, for love, for relationships, for whatever it is, we will seek to control everything around us. And we're going to use our language to do just that. But when we understand God's sovereignty and submit to His rule, we can live and speak as God has designed we will not try to be in charge. One of the best things for us to realize is that we are not in charge. Do you get that? Do you ever come to that realization in your life that you are not in charge? That's not easy. We want to be in charge, but we are not in charge. And when we realize that, then we're able to give up things in our lives, to give up control, and actually communicate, use our words for the glory of God. God's revealed will for us is that all our speaking be done for the praise of His glory. That every word that proceeds from our mouths is for the praise of His glory. So a firm understanding and belief in the sovereignty of God will propel us onto godly communication. And that's really where we're going to spend the rest of the time, understanding God's sovereignty as it applies to godly communication. Now, when, when the Bible says that God is sovereign, it is saying that He rules the universe unchallenged. None of us here, none of you, can challenge God in His sovereignty. And I think there's at least seven applications of that to communication. So, most of the time we're going to spend going through these seven things, seven independent yet correlated statements that have to do with the sovereignty of God in the way that we communicate with one another. And we can even make it bigger in the way that we relate to one another. And the first one is this. God is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. That's who God is. No one has taught God. No one gives Him advice. No one can legitimately question Him. And no one can stand in the way of His will. And this is true of what we can see but also of what we can't see. 
God is the Lord of Lords and King of Kings over everything. Listen to what King Nebuchadnezzar found out after spending seven years walking, uh, crawling around as a cow, eating grass, because he refused to first recognize the sovereignty of God. Nebuchadnezzar says this in Daniel chapter 4. He says, At the end of the time, Nebuchadnezzar lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored Him who lives forever. For His dominion is an everlasting dominion and His kingdom is from the generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to His will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, What have you done? Now, how does this idea that God is the Lord of Lords and King of Kings apply to communication? This way. We will never be in a situation, location, or relationship in which God is not ruling. You're never going to be in a place where God is not ruling over that. You're never going to be in a situation where God is not ruling over that. And knowing that God is in control of our lives allows us to give to not give in to panic, to not give in to anxiety. As we grab hold of this truth by faith, we can pay attention to what God has called us to do, to live and speak for His glory in whatever situation that we're in, because He is King of Kings and Lord of Lords in that situation. Second truth that relates God's sovereignty to communication is this. God rules over all things for the church. God rules for the redemptive benefit of His people. God has worked and is working all things in history in order to gather a people for Himself to the praise of His own glorious name. Look at Ephesians 7 through verse 12. In Him... We have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, which He made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in Him. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. Isn't that a glorious passage? That God from eternity past is working everything to, to bring a people to Himself, and that, that people are going to be gathered in the church, and Jesus, as it says in verses 20-22, is going to be given as the head of that church. Jesus Christ the eternal Son of God, the one who became an incarnate, became in flesh like we are, who lived a perfect life, who died the death we deserve, who rose again from the dead on that glorious day, is our King today. This is it. Not in the future, though He will be in the future, but right now, He is the King, the head of the church. And when you think of communication... In light of God's giving, God's giving Christ to be the head of the church. Think about how much of our communication involves complaining about our circumstances. How much of what we say, how much of what you say involve complaining about your circumstances? Those circumstances that God has been working before the foundation of the world to bring you into the church of Jesus Christ. How much of our 
speaking expresses irritation toward people who get in our way. Family members who rob us of peace and quiet. The rebellious child who robs us of our comfort and ease. The person who refuses to give us the respect and admiration that we think we deserve. A lot of our communication it, it does, it reflects that when God is working all these things in our lives. So much of, of our talk expresses envy toward others who seem to have it easier than we do. And yet God gave us Christ to rule over the church. And not only that, think about our praise. What is it that you praise God for? What are the things that you thank God for? So much of our praise the Lord is limited to the moments when we, we have determined that what He has done is good. So we praise the Lord for times of physical healing. We praise the Lord for financial provision. We praise the Lord for improved circumstances. We praise the Lord for restored relationships. We praise the Lord for solved problems. And in those situations, we praise the Lord for His faithfulness. And if in the other situations, He's not being faithful to His church. The church that He loved before the foundation of the world. The church that He came and separated Himself from the Father on the cross in that moment in which He says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We think that there are moments in our lives where He is not being faithful to us. All this communication misses the fact that God is active in every moment of our lives. And He brings all things into our lives for our redemptive good. And when, when we believe that this is the case, we have hearts that can speak with humility and worship. We realize that God has, uh, has us just where we need to be so that His purposes for us and His promises to us come to pass. How many of you this week felt like you're not where you should be? How many of you this week felt like God had failed you? I did. And yet, that's the same God who loved me from all eternity and is the head over the church today. Statement number three. God rules over the specific details of our lives. We, we are okay talking about the sovereignty of God in general, but He rules over the, very, the specific details of our lives. God's rule is not just global or universal, which it is. It is individual. God rules over the specific of our lives so that we can reach out and find Him. If you read the words of, of Paul in Acts chapter 17, where he's preaching to the Athenian philosophers, and he says that God appointed the place where you live, the God, God appointed the family you're in, and God is near you so that you can reach out to Him. So He's sovereign not only the global things, but He's sovereign over the individual things in your life. And when you think of a communication in, in light of that, we may have communication problems over things we think are problems, but God doesn't. It's not that God got in... Got, uh, was caught by surprise when something happened to us. Who is it that we focus on when we focus on communication problems? We usually focus on the people around us. If you're honest, I think we're going to admit that. Uh, I, in the midst of a fight between a husband and wife, the husband doesn't scream angrily, I'm the car troubles. 
usually that's not how it goes. Right? Uh, th- that's, not, that's not how it works. Usually we focus on other people. Yet, God is using the things in our lives as tools for accomplishing His work in us. Because He's near us. And that should taint the way that we communicate. Statement number four. God rules over every aspect of our salvation. Look at verses 3 through 6 of Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoptions as sons by Jesus Christ Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved." Isn't that marvelous? Isn't that wonderful that God has done that? And He's done everything that has to be done for our salvation, for our redemption. Really, that's the only reason we can have assurance of salvation. Because if we could lose it, we would. And yet God is the one that rules supreme over our salvation. And that's really really where true worship begins. True worship begins when we grasp the sovereign grace of God. God's sovereign grace undermines all human pride and thoughts of self-sufficiency as we face our complete dependence on Him. As we grasp God's sovereign grace, the pride that we would otherwise have, we give over to praising, praising Him. How does this relate to communication? Well, the highest and first goal of all our communication is that our words would reflect an attitude of worship that recognizes our utter dependence on God for our salvation. So when you speak, is every communication, every word, every relationship marked by your realizing your utter need of Christ in your salvation? He has chosen us to be His children. He has called us to Himself He breathed life into us so that we could see and believe the truth. He justified us and adopted us into His family. He daily works to sanctify us. And He will take us to glory. And and that realization will come a life of communication that benefits others and honors Him. Is the basis of your talking to other people the fact that you you have been redeemed by Jesus Christ? Does that really marks? The way you speak. Statement number five. God rules over circumstances for our sanctification. God rules over, uh, God rules over circumstances for our sanctification. God is at work in every situation to conform us to the image of His Son. Isn't that what Romans 8, 28 and 29 say? That He's working all things for good. The good of those who are called or those who according to His purpose, so that they may be conformed to the image of His Son. And if this is the case, then when we complain about the problems and pressures of our lives, we are essentially grumbly in the face of God. Do you follow that? If God is working everything that's working in our life to sanctify you, to shape you, to be more like Jesus Christ, and we complain about the things that are happening in our lives... We are complaining at the plan of God. We are complaining at the face of God. We are complaining that we have been chosen 
by his love and grace. We're complaining that he is putting us into situations designed to make us his holy people. That's what we're complaining about. Rather than telling us that God has forgotten us, and this is important, rather than telling that God has forgotten us, our circumstances shout to us that he has remembered us and will not leave us till the work is complete. That's what our situations in life tell us. And that's why James could say in James chapter 1, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, how does this apply to communication? The tough neighbor, the demanding boss, the touch, touchy relative, and we all have one of those, the controlling friend, the unthankful child, the unexpected accident, are all tools of sanctification in the hands of our Lord. Does that come, does that come out of your mouth? Does what come out of your mouth in time of trouble reflect this truth? That all these things are happening for your good? Now, I'm not calling us to resignation. Oh, I just have to do this because that's what it is. But when we're going through things, are we realizing that even those things are coming from the hand of a good God who is shaping us to be more like His Son? And then is that showing up in the way that we relate and talk to each other? Statement number six. So, we have seven statements. We're getting close to the end. God rules over relationships for my sanctification. So, God rules over everything over my, for my sanctification. But more specifically, God rules over relationships for my sanctification. The people in our lives are not there by accident. Through them, God continues the work He has begun in us. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16, He talks about how He's bringing all people together in Jesus Christ. In chapter 4, He says that we are equipping one another so that together we can come into the fullness of the head, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we, are oft, we often forget that God places people in our lives in order to shape us in the image of Christ. We treat them as irritants or obstacles, don't we? Uh, the untimed phone call, the demanding, the demand to do something for for them, and w- w- people who we see as annoying, we see as people to get rid of, but we need to see them as people that God brought into our lives to shape us, to make us like Christ. But instead, we lash out in anger. Because they stand in the way of our plans, of our momentary happiness. Embracing the sovereignty of God over our relationships and circumstances will alter our words regarding the people He has placed in our lives. Can you think of one annoying person in your life this week? Somebody that you thought was annoying? I think we all would... At least if you're honest, we would all answer... Yes. Well, that person is in your life by the hand of God. God sent that. That's the me- in some ways, we could say that's a messenger from God. 
to help you become more like Jesus Christ. Statement number seven. God rules over all things for his glory. Look at verse 12 of Ephesians 1. That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. People of God, or all of us here today, God is not working for your temporal happiness. God is not working for your temporal... Your best life is not now. If your best life is now, you're going to hell. Do you get that? Because for the believer, your best life is to come at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is not working right now so that we would feel satisfied and complete or that we would have a positive self-image or comfortable lifestyle. He is working to make us lights that shine in darkness so that people will see our good works and give Him glory. Bottom line, life is not about you. Life is not about me. Life is about God glorifying Himself through us. As our Lord Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And when we speak as if we are in control, or when we speak as if we think we should be in control, when we take glory for ourselves, when we complain about the things God has put on our plate, we are rejecting His ultimate purpose for us, that we would be people who live and speak for His glory. In light of this, every word we speak must meet two standards. All our words should bring God the glory He deserves, and all our words should bring redemptive good into the lives of the people God has placed around us. Bottom line it is this. Whoever hears you and I speak should be closer to Jesus. That's the redemptive purpose in our communication. When we speak, the grace of God is imparted to people. That's the goal of communication. And as we finish here, let me ask you seven questions. And I'm just going to ask them. Um, not all comments on them. But I want you to take them to heart. In what ways is your communication attempt to take control of all things? In what ways is the way that you relate to people an attempt to take control of all things? Question two. How would the way you communicate be different if you believed and trusted more fully in God's absolute control of everything for your good and His glory. Husbands and wives, think about the fight you had this week. And you had a fight this week. Just a disagreement of some sort, right? Uh, nobody has to shake their, hands yet, uh, their heads yes, but just, you know it's there. When you think about that, and you think about in terms of God's sovereignty, and the God, God bringing your spouse to you as a means of working you to be more like Christ, how would that disagreement play again in light of that truth? Question three, how do you respond when God sends suffering or disappointment in your way? Do you, question four, do you seek to speak in a way that encourages the work God is doing in others? This is a ama- so that you don't 
think otherwise, uh, this sermon flowed from a personal study of things that I needed for myself. So I'm not speaking as the uh, master of these things. I hope that's never seen. If I only spoke about things that I mastered, we'd have a half a sermon that would repeat itself all week, every week because that wouldn't, that wouldn't be much uh, there. But how do, 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 you, do you seek to speak in a way that encourages the work God is doing in others? Um, SNL used to have a, uh, a skit, I think the name of the lady of Debbie Downer, where she would find the negative in the most glorious thing that was being said. Is that us? Question number five. Do you treat certain people as obstacles to your own spiritual growth? Or do you see them as God's agents of your sanctification, a potential recipient of God's grace through you? I guess that was question number six. Question number seven is this. How, how and now specifically here, how specifically do your words reveal whether you are resting in God's control or wrestling with it. Are you resting in God's control or are you wrestling with it? How do your words show that one way or another? The Lord Jesus is the sovereign king of the universe. And that universe includes the way we communicate. We want, I hope that's our desire, that we want a society where people actually understand each other, that actually people can talk to one another and be better for that, that can grow together through communication. And that society begins as we, the Church of Jesus Christ, speak in a way consistent with the truth that He is the Lord of everything. Do you want to change the society we live in? we we'll start right here in the church, reflecting the sovereignty of God in all things. Let us pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are God who speaks. Thank you that you have um, given us your word to point us to Christ. And we thank you that you've given us each other so that we might point each other to Christ and be pointed to Christ. Help us to speak according to the truth that our Lord Jesus is the Lord of lords and King of kings. And we pray, Father, if there is any here today who have not come under that acknowledgement that God is King and that Jesus is a Savior, that you save them even today. For asking Jesus' name, amen.